Welcome to Weekly Grooves. My name is Tim Houlihan. And I'm Kurt Nelson. Each week, Weekly Grooves takes on a current topic, bringing a behavioral lens to that subject and talking through some of the implications or insights that we can discern. It is relevant, short, fun, and insightful. Kurt and I have been working in the world of behavioral interventions for more than 20 years. Actually, 20 years each. Each 40 years plus. Woo! We have been helping clients understand what drives their behavior and what they can do to change those things. We also host another podcast called Behavioral Grooves, in which we conduct long-form interviews with behavioral scientists and practitioners. And I mention this because our background and experience are relevant to what we bring to this show. Hopefully, we can bring an expertise to this that is a bit unique and grounded in actual science. Okay, Kurt, so what is our topic for this week's groove? We are going political this week, Tim. Ooh, are you sure that's a good idea? What? I mean, it, I mean didn't you hear that old saying, like, never talk about sex, politics, and religion? <laughs> well, that would be a boring, really, really boring life. So I'm going to just, uh, we'll take our chances, I think. Okay. All right, and we're going to go political. All right. So next week, Tim, the Iowa caucuses will happen on February 3rd, and there is a huge focus on the Democratic side for who will win Iowa and take the front-runner lead, right? Yeah, yes. So while I'm interested in the politics side of this, I'm actually more interested in the psychology of being the front-runner and what that entails. Well, let's talk about that for a sec. So the, uh, the Iowa caucuses date back to 1972, when Iowa moved the date to be the first state in the nation to caucus for the presidential nomination process. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And since then, seven out of 10 winners in Iowa went on to win the National Democratic nomination. Wow. Yeah. And the past four winners of Iowa went on to win the National Democratic endorsement. So it would appear that there is definitely an advantage to being first. Yes. But is it really as big as you would think? In just the last election, Ted Cruz beat out Donald Trump on the Republican side. 27.6% to 24.3%, with a close third being Marco Rubio at 23.1%. And we all know, yeah, you know, Donald Trump went on to win the nomination. In 2012, Rick Santorium won it, eventually losing out to Mitt Romney in their national thing. And in 2008, Mike Huckabee won it, losing out to John McCain. And it's not just a Republican thing. <laughs> no, right? of course it not. Is no. not. No, it's not. All right. In 1988, Dick Gephardt won it for the Democrats, who went on to lose the national nomination to Michael Dukakis. Yeah. And then in 1992, Tom Harkin earned 76% of the vote in Iowa, while President Bill Clinton, or future President Bill Clinton at that time, only got 3%. So- Are these all just exceptions to the rule? Yeah, good question. So what can behavioral science tell us about being the front runner in any of these situations? So I think there is some definite advantages to being a front runner. In particular, if we look at this, there is a concept called the bandwagon effect. Uh, of course. I mean, we're talking about politics. Yes, and it actually the, the, the name itself came from politics. So the bandwagon effect is people tend to go along with what other members of a group uh, of the group that they belong to are doing. This bias is actually named for a political term of jumping on the bandwagon. Back in the 1800s, there was actual bandwagons that followed these people <laughs> right. on, and they said, jump on the bandwagon. 
bandwagon and come along with us. Yeah, it wasn't figurative as it is now. It was literal. <laughs> it was literal. Right, right. And this is an important part of how we how the front runner gathers us in, right? Yeah. Because the front runner has got the front wagon, basically. <laughs> you know, right? They're out in front. Well, it's it's you know what everybody else is doing, right? Oh, yeah. so all right, they won that. It must be the 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 candidate to follow. Exactly. So we tend to, you know, put more emphasis on that person and say, yes, this is the person that we should be following because they're the winner. They're going to be the one that everybody else is following them. It's kind of like, you know, that high school, everybody else is doing it. You should do it too. Yeah. And that's one of the, the key things. So that when you get a front runner, when you win Iowa, that then denotes that you have become the front runner and you people should jump on your bandwagon. Yeah. So check they, they the bandwagon effect effect absolutely supports the front runner. Yep. Okay. Positive. How about availability bias? Yeah. Good point. Okay. Right. So with availability bias, we've got this tendency to let an example that comes to mind easily affect our decision-making uh, and, and our reasoning, especially in an unconscious way, right? Yep. So when decisions um, or, or uh, reasons are, are coming to mind, we tend to replay the most readily available story, the one that is most available, and that is something that we've seen in the news, something that people were talking about. The name that gets mentioned the most is the front runner. And when, yeah, so winning Iowa, you get a whole bunch of media attention and that gets resonated around. Social media people talk about it, all of these things. Right. So when you're just thinking, if you had not made up your mind yet, all right, it, it is, oh, what's going on? Oh, yeah, the winner of Iowa. That's the name that comes to mind easily. And so when you think about it, because the, the availability uh, bias is really interesting in that, you know, it's not just mentioning it, you know, all of the time, kind of that piece, but it is how easy is it to remember? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, Reducing friction. Yep. I yep. mean, we've talked about behavior change. We, we should certainly talk about, uh, you know, decreasing friction to create a new habit. And if the new habit is endorsing the front runner, then the, the front runner actually makes it easier for us to remember. So the avail availability bi uh, bias, can, can that actually impact perception of the person or of his or her policies? Yeah, that's a good question, right? So uh, because everybody else, if, if we combine that with bandwagon, yeah. right, and we're willing to to endorse them for for some level, if not for the social norm being that case or the fact that they are more, more available, I think that we could uh, easily start to adapt our own perspectives on things around what the front runner is is uh, is promoting. Well, and I'm going to another psychological component or bias or different things that we call it. It's the mere exposure effect, right? Yeah. So the fact that we just, uh, we tend to develop a preference for things merely because we they seem familiar to us. So the fact that there is this front runner and we're hearing about that person more, we're hearing about his or her policies more, the mere exposure effect would state that we tend to prefer Senta to feel like we we know that person more and that those policies or her policies are more familiar with us. And so we tend to like them. I mean, yeah. advertisers use this all the time, right? And we, very effectively. I mean, think about Coke, right? You see Coke advertisements all the time. Do you prefer Coke over Pepsi? Well, part of that is probably just from mere exposure effect. Absolutely. Uh, this is also uh, true when we think about uh, going into uh, – now, 
the polls are changing constantly, so I'm not going to refer to them. But uh, Joe Biden has held the lead in part because of mere exposure, because he was the vice president. His name is out there. He, uh, availability bias. Availability comes in bias as well. He has a name recognition that's going out exactly. there. Exactly. He is familiar to us. Right. So uh, so that's an important part. Uh, d- certainly, Donald Trump with his his. Uh, Ability to to be on television for you know uh, and, many and dominate social media and everything else. So yeah. yeah, there's there's that. The other piece that I think is interesting is this idea of the hot hand fallacy, and it kind of relates back to the bandwagon effect, right? But uh, it's this purported phenomena that a person who experiences successful outcome it has a greater probability of success in further attempts. And yeah. so I think some of the bandwagon effect is this idea that that person has the hot hand. So if they can win in Iowa. They're going to win more and they're going to win more. Right. They've got Uh, momentum. They have momentum, right? Um, And so I think there's that aspect of it as as you can see. So, Mm -hmm. So that's all on the positive side. Right, but there are exceptions. There are exceptions, right? I mean, what about Trump? What yeah, about you brought o- up- Obama, you know, uh, or uh, Clinton and McCain, right? Yeah. What happened to those guys, right? They all went on to win after losing Iowa. Yeah, after losing Iowa, exactly. So, yeah. So uh, we talk about these, uh, you know, bandwagon effect or availability bias or mere exposure or hot hand. These are certainly uh, trends and uh, and things that exist in our world. You know, they are real effects. Right. They, well, they're descriptions of effects. They're right? descriptions of effects and that are real. Yeah. These things are, are very real. But that, and, and as universal as they are, it doesn't mean that it happens all the time. Right. And it doesn't mean that that outweighs other factors that are being played in. So, yeah. you know, for instance, um, you know, how uh, to the degree of, of a Bill Clinton um, when he started in Iowa, he was a relatively unknown. Obama was an unknown right. going into it. As I, I, um, This was by Steve Coates, who writes for Leadership Challenge. He wrote this. Uh, Here is an individual, Obama, who in mid-2007, just 18 months before the presidential election, was given little to no chance of being elected president of the United States, especially given the prominent position of his opponent, Senator Hillary Clinton. Nine months later, he was the front runner. Mm. And if there had been one word used more frequently to explain his unexpected and perhaps miraculous rise, that word would be inspiring. Okay, so, so that that's the messenger effect, right? That well, it, it, it comes into charisma. This, right? Yeah, there's this charisma aspect, and so there's this idea that yeah, you have a front runner, but maybe, and this gets also back into the hot hand fallacy or the bandwagon. All right, you start with somebody who is the 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 you know front runner going into Iowa. And if they don't win big, um, and maybe somebody gets second place, i.e. Trump in, in 2016, all of a sudden they become, oh, this is the person with the hot hand. It's not the winner. It's actually the person who came in second or third. Yeah. And then people tend to, to explore that a little more. And if they're charismatic, if they align with your, your policies, you might actually pay attention to them and shift your alliance over there. So I think there's some aspects to that. And the the inspiration, that charismatic part, can't be – there's a real aspect to that, right? Very much so. We we tend to follow people we think are charismatic, right, that have a certain attitude about them, a certain panache that is there. And so I think there are those aspects that go into this thing. And – the other aspect, particularly if you go back to 2016 and what might be the case in this current upcoming one, 
is, yeah, you know, uh, Donald Trump came in second, but there really wasn't there wasn't a big separation between him and the front runner. And there was really people you could claim it's not really winning it. Right. He he was just a few percentage points behind. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't a 51 percent. It wasn't anything like that. And I think that could happen again in Iowa coming up. And so then because the field is so crowded, the field is so crowded. So you don't yeah. really have a front runner. You have a number of front runners. And so by having a number of front runners, I think a lot of the power of that availability heuristic and some of the other things that we talked about might be diminished. And it yeah. falls back more on, hey, how charismatic, how inspirational uh, are these uh, policies more aligned with my policies? Which is interesting because isn't that what we really want to to you know, judge our candidates on is the well, there's a lot of there's a lot of basis to judge the candidates on. <laughs> That's a whole separate <laughs> that conversation. Is. So that so is. there you go. Okay. So to recap, yeah. Okay, having a front runner, runner advantage absolutely is is positive. It looks to be really positive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there are a number of behavioral factors that that play into this. The bandwagon effect, right? People want to be part of the winning team. The availability bias, where because the front runner gets more media exposure, they will more easily be uh, remembered, and thus they're featured more prominently in someone's opinions, which also impacts the mirror exposure or effect. Is impacted by the mirror exposure effect. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and we tend to develop a preference for things that we're familiar with than those that we're not. Yeah. Uh, the hot hand fallacy comes in. Uh, that could also impact the person who wins or, or even who beats expectations, right? Yeah. It could be a momentum thing. Uh, but being the front runner doesn't always lead to victory. Oh, man. <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> the hot hand fallacy can help maybe uh, the person who is coming in second or third, you know, uh, again. Trump. Trump in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there could be no clear winner. And there may be just an outstanding candidate that hasn't got enough exposure that will inspire us and come from the back of the pack once people who realize who he or she is. Yeah. You know, it's possible. Could be. I mean, I'm a Yang Gang guy this year, so you know, that's my hope. <laughs> and, and and there's good psychological research that says you should stick to Yang Gang as long as you possibly can. Yeah, there you go. So that's a great recap. And remember. Don't get caught in choosing a candidate just because they are the front runner. It's important to make sure that your biases are not overly impacting your decision-making senses. It will be interesting to see how this plays out this year. And maybe we'll have to come back to this after the nomination happens. That sounds like a great idea. There be more to talk about. And that wraps up this episode of Weekly Grooves. And since this is a brand new podcast, we'd very much appreciate a quick review. If you like our approach, please give us a good rating uh, and a quick word or two. It goes a long way in helping us grow our audience. Also, if you want to give us feedback directly, which we absolutely love, love, love we love, love to love, hear love. from you. Yes. You can reach out to us on Twitter. Tim can be reached at at T-Houlihan. That's T-H-O-U-L-I-H-A-N. T-H-O-U-L-I-H-A-N. Is that at T-H-O-U-L-I-H-A-N? Did you just say that? I, I don't know. I, I, I can't listen. I, I, I drown that out. And I can be reached, if you want to reach Kurt, at, at what motivates. And I'm not going to spell that out because you should be able to spell that. Um, and we would love, love to hear from you. So again, thank you for listening. Thank you.